So roughly, here's how things are looking across the country when it comes to COVID. Yesterday, Quebec reporting 239 new COVID-19 cases, which is the fewest new cases they've had there since March 21st. B.C., how about this? How about British Columbia reporting only four? Meantime, here in Ontario, we saw four, four, six, 446 yesterday and 338 today. So why are our numbers so high compared to the other provinces? Let's uh, welcome in Ray Watt Dionandon. He's an epidemiologist and associate professor at the University of Ottawa and joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, Ontario looks to be the new COVID hotspot in the country. Do we know why why these numbers seem to be so stubborn in this province? That's a really good question, and I'll start by saying that, of course, the disease is many diseases. The epidemic looks different in different parts of the country, having to do with geography, population dynamics, and decision-making. But Ontario is particularly hard-hit for a number of reasons. One is our population density. Another is timing of when we made certain decisions, and the third is the decisions that we made. So it's... um, we're not as bad as New York, for example, and we're not as bad as some other hotspots, but we should be doing better than we are. Yeah, but we're not as good as B.C., who again reported only four cases uh, yesterday. Good for them, but uh, what have they done, do we know, so effectively, and what could we learn from them and apply here in Ontario? Okay, so B.C., um, they had a couple of things go well for them. First is luck, second is timing, and third is good decision-making. So the luck is that they happen to be on the other side of the continent, near the hotspots of New York, and they weren't seeded by travelers from Europe as much as Ontario was. The um, other luck is that their, their March break happened just after ours. The good decision-making has to do with how they dealt with their situation. So they decided not to encourage travel earlier than we did. They decided to restrict workers from long-term health centers from working in multiple centers much earlier than we did. They had their PPE in place for their workers much uh, earlier than we did. They um, had strong public health leadership and a central voice that was very trustworthy, and they were testing early and quickly. They did everything right, and they did it early on. That's a key part of this epidemic, is the earlier you act, the greater dividends that will pay down the road. Yeah, do we know, is there enough communication going on between our governments? Is B.C. sharing some of their information with Alberta, with us here in Ontario? Do we need to be more collaborative when it comes to this, do you think? That's a really good question. I don't know for sure. I know that the scientists are definitely in communication, whether the governments are or not is another story entirely. And the extent to which data is made readily available is also different across the country. Every province has its own data collection system, its own data sharing system. And again, that's where Ontario fails a fair amount is we're not very transparent and the pipelines through which we share data are clogged. So there's a, a lot to fix here in this province. All right. Before we go, just kind of pointing the finger, though, at our health officials in the province, is it important to underscore and underline the fact that COVID-19 is something we haven't really seen before? And, you know, a lot of health officials were desperately seeking and uh, scrambling, trying to find uh, answers to pretty pertinent questions. And it seems as if health officials and governments were, were kind of by necessity making this up as they went along and made the best decisions they could at the time. 100%. I'm not going to blame people for making bad decisions with bad information. But there's some things that were fixable and foreseeable. For example, it was foreseeable that our long-term care centers would be hit hard. So we should have acted early 
to protect them, and we didn't. And it was foreseeable that our data sharing system was arcane. We knew this after SARS 17 years ago. We're using fax machines to send test results forward. This should have been computerized uh, decades ago. So um, some things are definitely forgivable. Other things are not. And you're absolutely right. I don't want to point fingers where they need not be pointed. I'd rather look forward to see what we can do to make things better. Joined by Ray Watt Dionandon with the University of Ottawa. I want to ask you about Sweden's top epidemiologist, because he's now saying that that country's strategy to fight COVID resulted in far too many deaths. And we're just talking about, you know, making things up as uh, we go along, trying to figure this out. Sweden, essentially, they decided to remain open, and they were kind of, I guess, in a way, a grand experiment when it comes to dealing with the COVID-19. Citizens were able to go to restaurants, gyms, schools uh, remained open. Does that look now like a failed and disastrous exercise? Dangerous question. First of all, I believe he has reneged on his statement earlier. He says he was taken out of context. But I will say that Sweden, their difference isn't so much that they have a laissez-faire approach. They had a, a trust in their citizens to do the right thing. Now, was that a misplaced trust? It seems that it was. If their goal was to protect their elderly and to allow the young and strong to become infected at a controlled rate, they seem to have failed in that capacity. So I'm going to be on the side of those who feel they made a bad decision. And I'll say again that the earlier you put in place the public health restrictions on this disease, the better the outcome will be down the road. And they are late to that game. So I think they're going to suffer in the long run because of it. Yeah, just finally, I wanted to ask you, the Premier was asked several times this afternoon in his daily press conference about a second stage reopening in a regional reopening of the Ontario economy. From a medical standpoint, does that make sense? Or do you think opening regionally, does that come with a uh, risk of potentially increasing our COVID count even further? I really support the regional approach. And the reason is that why should Kingston and Thunder Bay, who have had one or two cases in the last couple of weeks, have the same responsibilities and the same reaction as downtown Toronto that has hundreds of cases? So if we open regionally, we can apply our public health resources to the hotspots. We can reserve these less affected areas for non-COVID-related activities and keep our economy open to a certain extent. The challenge, of course, is preventing people from traveling between these spots. But that's an administrative challenge, and it must be explored. Right. I was going to ask you about that. Is that the big challenge then? Uh, because you would think if a hair salon, people are desperate to get their hair cut to, these days, opens in a neighboring or nearby uh, community, or you can go to a patio and enjoy a uh, beverage, there's going to be a great temptation to go there, isn't there? That's exactly right. And this is where we have to learn from Sweden is they trusted their citizens to make good decisions and that may have failed. Can we trust our citizens to be responsible? I hope that we can. This is the nature of liberal democracy. People must make good decisions for the community. All right. Raywad Dionandon with the University of Ottawa. Fascinating discussion. Thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you.